everyone, and welcome to Dance It Out, a Grey's Anatomy podcast. We're your hosts, Jasmine Petty and Giuseppe Corallo. Thank you to everyone for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about this week's Grey's Anatomy episode entitled It's All Too Much. So if you haven't seen the episode, there are spoilers ahead. So to start off, uh, Giuseppe, how are you? How's your, how's your week been? Well, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm enjoying my weekend. And, you know, so yeah, it's pretty good. What about yours? Are you enjoying yourself? Yeah. Um, so my birthday was on Sunday. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Oh, right. What did you do for your birthday? Uh, my friend Amy came over and we ordered Italian food. Italian and... food? Oh, yes. what kind of food exactly? Um, well, I got gnocchi and she got, I think she got some kind of linguine. Oh, good. That, well, yeah. linguine. I love linguine. <laughs> yeah, I love them. <laughs> Uh, we have a really good, I mean, again, I've never had the real thing, so I can't compare it, but uh, we have, uh, there's a little Italy here in Ottawa, and um, it's got some great food, at least, at least the, to me, the pasta is good, so. Well, I, I you have to come to Italy to, you know, <laughs> verify if it is really good. Yes, it's yeah. good by the standards of pasta I have eaten, that's, that's all I can really compare, but yeah, it was really good, and then we, I ordered a raspberry chocolate cake for my birthday. Oh, great. Yeah. So we ate that. I, I, actually, I actually saw the picture of your yes. cake. Yeah, mm-hmm. on your Instagram, which was amazing. I was really impressed by it. I was like, oh, that's a really great cake, a great looking cake. I mean, I don't know how we tested, but it looked no, it great. Good. It, was, it was good. So yeah, we got it from this local bakery. We got a vanilla cake for Amy's birthday last year that was good from, from the same place. Okay. Um. So yeah, so we were happy with them. And... Uh, I mean, I bake, I could bake my own cake, but like, I'm not baking for myself on my birthday. Like, no, thank you. I will order in. <laughs> um, not going to do that. So yeah, it was fun. And so we watched, um, we're, like I said, we were, we're rewatching the show Bones. Oh, so yeah. we're on season seven now. And so we watched some more of season seven and, and then the Grammys were on that night. So we watched the Grammys. Oh, so you watched Taylor Swift. You must have been excited for her. I know you're yes. a big fan of her. Yes, uh, I loved her performance. It was awesome. And Harry Styles, I'm a big fan of his as well. Uh, that performance was also uh, really well done. Um, so yeah, so it was a fun night and they, they both won for their albums, which I was happy about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not a big fan of them but because I'm not a big fan of music in general. I don't listen to lots of music, but yeah, they, they really sound cool and they really seem cool. So I'm happy for the victories. So it was a fun, but quiet and, you know, b- birthday. Yeah, yeah, it was good. The best uh, thing you can have during a pandemic, food and binge, and binge watching a TV show and watching Grammys. I can't think of a better way to spend your birthday. Yeah, I mean, for, for the pandemic, for what it was, uh, yeah, it was fun. I mean, normally we, normally there's this, again, Italian, there's this, this place downtown that we go to every year. Um, but you obviously can't do that during the pandemic. So. Yeah. Uh, the hope is that next year, next year, we'll be able to go out. Um, well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. so uh, are you ready for being, I mean, I'm ready to clock you for your recap of the new Great <laughs> Anatomy episode. Are yes, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, go. As traumas and pressures mount, the doctors of Graceland Memorial try to find a path forward. As Richard questions his faith, Teddy struggles with guilt over Luca's death, and Maggie gives Winston hospital privileges as they work together to treat an uneasy patient. Meanwhile, Joe Lincoln Jackson played an unconventional drinking game and Meredith reunites with Derek and talks to Hayes on the beach about her kids. 30 seconds. It was just 30 seconds. Exactly. Great. Okay. 
All right. Um, before we get into the episode, um, I've been saying I'm going to do this forever, so I'm doing it. Um, I wanted to give a big shout out to our fans. Um, so the service where we host, um, not host, but allows us to upload our podcast gives us data about where our, our listeners are from. And uh, I wanted to give a shout out uh, to all of our uh, German followers, uh, because our the majority of our fans come from the US, Germany, Canada, the United Kingdom, Italy, and Brazil. And um, yeah, so I wanted to give a shout out to everybody. We also have some new followers from France and Australia. So welcome, everybody. Welcome to everybody. And I wanted to give a shout out because uh, I'm super curious as to what we're doing that's connecting uh, with our German and Brazilian fans because with other countries, you know, I'm Caden, you're Italian, you know, it's a US show. Um, you know, English is obviously one of the predominantly predominant languages spoken in the US, Canada, the UK. Um, but we weren't expecting this. I wasn't expecting to have so many fans from Germany and Brazil. And I would love to know what we're doing that's resonating with you guys, because uh, I was really surprised by that. So if you're from one of those countries, if you could uh, you know, send us a message on Twitter or Instagram or comment on one of our recent posts, we would love to know um, what we're doing that's uh, resonating with you guys. Yeah, we're very curious. All right. Uh, should we get into the episode? Yes, please. All right. Uh, well, since I've talked for a while, how about uh, how about you start us off? Well, Jasmine, I have to say that I loved this episode. Me I too. thought, it, yeah, I thought it was a great episode. Finally, an episode that in which I recognized the old grace, and I loved it because of its pace. You know, mm-hmm. last week I said that something about the pacing this season was off even the showrunner said something was off because of course of coronavirus and how it affected the filming of the show but this episode guys it really delivered it was like everything was perfect there was like the perfect balance between humor and romance and and and, and sadness and heartbreak so it was quintessential grace for me it, it felt like it it felt like uh, you know, a uh, classic Grace episode. Yeah. So I loved it. And speaking of classic Grace episode, how beautiful was it to see Meredith and Derek back in that on that beach and having a conversation about their kids? It was so emotional and it was so powerful and it was so. It was great. It was great, and I was very impressed by you know, but but their conversation, by the reunion, and I thought it was. It was very tender at the same time. I loved, I loved the fact that Meredith kept saying, okay, Derek, but why can I touch you? I, I can, and I, wa- I really want to touch you. And basically he told her, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he told her something like, you like to torture yourself. It, it, it is your, your way of proceeding, you know? And she says, well, I don't torture myself as much these days, you know? And I loved this exchange between the two of them because it brought back memories from, you know, season three, especially when Derek was always pushing her to to tell him what was to to express her feelings towards him and towards the relationship. And she had these suicidal thoughts and attitude. So it was I think it was a great callback, you know, her telling him that now she changed, that she, she didn't she didn't harm herself as much. And I thought it showed, I mean, we have seen this growth from Meredith and it was, I I thought, I thought it was a very poignant exchange. 
And I mean, the two of them talking about Alice and how they didn't know that she was pregnant when he died and how Derek watching these kids grow. I mean, you know that I'm not a believer, so I don't believe in afterlife. So when I hear Derek's words, I don't actually think that it that that is Derek talking. I think it, that it is a project. It is a projection of Meredith's um, thoughts. But at the same time, I don't care because at the same time, I think that Meredith maybe needed to have this co- kind of conversation with Derek, mm-hmm. and for her to think that this is Derek, that's fine for me. And I think it's gonna give her a sense of closure. And one thing that I really was, I was shocked to have this feeling, I really was, but when Meredith told him, okay, I want to touch you. And when he came closer to her, I was, Jasmine, something strange happened to me. I was extremely excited. I really wanted the two of them to touch each other. It was. It was weird because, of course, I don't want her to die and I know what it would mean for her to touch Derek. But at the same time, the idea of them touching each other is so powerful and it, it's so exciting. And I'm dying to see the two of them touching each other because I think it will happen in a future, a future episode. I think it will. Mm-hmm. And this makes me so excited. What about you? Did you love this interaction, the interaction between the, between the two of them as much as I did? Yeah, I loved it. Um, I love seeing Derek again. Um, I love their exchange, like you said, about, you know, she wanted to get closer. And he's like, oh, he's like, you're good at, you know, you, you make things hard on yourself. Um, I love their exchange where, you know, he was trying to get closer to her and then he, he kind of teased her and he, he scrunched up his face and he's like, look at that face. Like, would you make that face before going into a surgery? And she was like, no. And he was like, what would you do? You'd relax, right? And then she yeah. needs to relax um, and stop focusing so hard. And then when she finally relaxes, um, she's able to get closer to him. I thought that was really, uh, I thought that was a really funny, sweet moment. And I love them talking about the kids, um, you know, when he's describing what Alice is like, Zola writing to him. Um, I love that we got to learn more about Alice and who she is because, because she's the youngest kid. Um, we don't know as much about her up until recently. Yeah. Um, and I really like learning more about her. They did talk about Bailey, right? Yes, I talk about Bailey as well. I think I don't think they go into as much specifics about Bailey. I think she goes into more specifics about Bailey when she's talking to Hayes. But I think that was because, you know, Derek got the chance to know Bailey, right? So yeah. they didn't have to go into it as much detail. And his comment about Zola was, oh, she writes to me in her journals. Meredith's teaching her to ride a bike. Because Zola was older when, um, when Derek uh, died and she's older now. There's more to kind of tell, I think, about Zola. Uh, Because she's a little bit older and they're talking at length about Ellis because he didn't get to know her. Um, Although I would imagine they'll probably talk more about Bailey the next time we see them, because my feeling from that scene is that, um, okay, we're probably going to see Derek one more time. Meredith will likely code. They will be able to embrace and then she'll come back to the land of living. Yeah, I thought those scenes are really beautiful and well done. And yeah, it reminded me of what I love so much about Meredith and Derek's relationship um, and why that that relationship between them and then Meredith's relationship with Christina, those two for me are really at the heart of the show. Yeah, they are. They are the cornerstone of the the show. 
Um, so yeah, that kind of, that reminded me of that and I loved it. And then the other thing I really loved about the beach, uh, this week is that, uh, Hayes came into Meredith's room and started talking to her and we got to see Hayes on the beach. And, um, just as a transition, one thing I really loved about that scene was that, um, that point where Meredith and Derek are talking and you can hear Hayes's voice. Yes. And Derek says to her, it's up to you. Like he doesn't push her. He goes, it's up to you. But if it were me, I like, I think you should hear him out. And then she, Meredith pulls herself away from that conversation to listen to what Hayes has to say. He starts talking about her kids. Um, you, you realize that he's gotten to know them because every time they video call Meredith, he talks to them and her sisters. Um, and I thought that built really beautifully on what she was talking about with Derek earlier um like Derek and Meredith were talking about the kids and then Hayes and Meredith were talking about the kids and I just thought that was really beautiful and a lovely transition and it made me very emotional um yeah I just I just loved it I loved it so much and one thing I really liked um is that I I kind of felt like Derek was giving his blessing in a way because he says you know hear the guy out yeah of course which I thought was really beautiful because Derek was shown to be, you know, Derek was not a perfect human being. He was very flawed as we all are. So you believe believe that that person is actually Derek. You believe she's in a limbo. You don't believe that it's just a error imagination. Well, I, I, I don't know. Like, is it limbo? Is it a dream? Like, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I don't really need to know. Like to me, it's in that category of it could be either. And I'm okay with that. My, whether it's Meredith's interpretation or whether it's actually Derek, I think is entirely up to interpretation. I think it should stay that way. Um, I don't think there's anything gained from being like, it's definitively this. Um, but I really love, you know, whether it's actually Derek or whether it's Der- it, Meredith's kind of psyche, Derek kind of giving his blessing there and being like, hear the guy out, especially since Derek was shown to be such a jealous person in, in life, for him to be like, hear the guy out and kind of give his his blessing in a way and, and encourage her, not push her, but encourage her, hear the guy out. The kids need you. You need to go back at some point. Um, I thought that was so, so beautiful. No matter what your interpretation is, whether it's limbo or a dream. Yeah. That was so beautiful. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. It was I, I, I was even more excited to see Ace on that beach than yeah. Derek. I mean, that's strange because I'm a big Meredith, Meredith fan. Mm-hmm. But seeing Meredith and Ace having a scene together was actually beautiful. Yeah. And that whole scene, that whole montage with him in, in her room and, and she's seeing Derek and then Hayes, mm-hmm. I think it was beautifully done. Yeah, I think it was the best scene of the episode, at least to me. Yeah. And, and music. You know, another thing that I loved about this episode, it, that, that music, the, the songs that they chose for various moments, they were great. They were great yeah. again. It, they were amazing. And the, the music, uh, the, uh, the song is called Encore. And that song during that scene is beautiful. And the fact that I talk about their kids, the fact that Ace knows them so much, and the fact that Meredith is surprised by the fact that Ellis smiles so much thanks to Ace, you know, that made me smile as well. And I, I said, okay, this guy's doing something right for these kids. He could be a perfect father figure for, for you know, for all three of them. Um, so, yeah, it was very beautiful. And I think they have great chemistry, great, great chemistry. It was a simple conversation, but the chemistry was off the charts, you know. 
And, and I really hope that the writers understand what they're doing with this couple, because to me, that scene screamed endgame, you know? That was endgame material, to me at least. They are, Ace could really be her future. So I really hope the writers don't screw this up because he's Christine approved, now he's Derek approved. So yeah, I love the two of them. And I, I, I really hope that she wakes up because I can't, I just cannot wait for the two of them to have interactions. I love the two of them. I cannot express how much I do. So this is my thoughts about the two of them on, on that beach. Yeah, and, and just on that note, you brought up something I wanted to talk about, um, which is I really love the moment when Meredith and Hayes are walking down this, that it looks like a boardwalk of some kind. Yeah. And Hayes is talking on and on um, about how, he's talking about Ellis. And so I thought it was a lovely parallel where earlier Derek is talking about Ellis and how he, how he's, she's just like Meredith. And there was a great callback to that line about how, you know, she doesn't smile very often when, when she does, it's amazing. That that line that George says to Thatcher way back in, oh, I can't remember what season it is, but- Season two. Season two. Okay, but you know the, the scene I mean. Um, yeah. And I thought that was a lovely callback, especially since we saw George on the beach. And then when Hayes is talking to her, he, you know, so- because we know he's there because she's sitting, he's sitting in her room. Hayes is talking about how, you know, he goes, the little one, you know, she, she doesn't smile that often, but you know, when she does Jesus, she lights up the room and Meredith knows that Hayes can't hear her because she's in a coma. Like she seems to be aware of that. And yet she's following with, she's walking along with him and she keeps imploring him. She goes, what did you say to make her smile that wide? What did you say to make her laugh like that? Like she desperately wants to know. And I thought that was such a beautiful moment because she's so excited and she so badly wants to know what he what he did. And they felt so in sync to me, which I thought was such a great moment because, you know, Meredith, like Hayes knows that, doesn't know if Meredith can hear him, but he's talking to her anyway. And Meredith knows that Hayes can't hear her. And yet she's talking to him like he like like he can. Yes. Yes, yes. I just love that moment so much. Yeah, and also they really brought the romance in this episode. I don't know if you feel the same way as I do, but I felt it was like, I feel like they love each other in a way. Like they don't even know yet, but they already do in a way. Yeah, and when I talked, before I talked that this felt like a classic Grace episode because there was humor and there was romance. And when I when I was talking about romance, I was actually talking about this scene. I feel they really could be a big backbone in the romantic department for this series going forward. I'm, I'm, re I'm really excited about the two of them. Yeah, and I, I feel like, to me, I think the word I, uh, word I would use to describe that scene is intimate. Like, I thought there was a lot of intimacy there. I really love that, and I agree with what you said. And one thing I really like about their potential is that because this season is so marred by COVID, because they've been shown over the last season and a half to have such an intimate relationship that's built on conversation and is built on shared experiences. There's the potential for intimacy there, even though Meredith will be recover is currently second, will be recovering presumably from a serious illness. And I really like that because I think it gives potential for there to be intimacy and romance without it getting into territory of, if some one person is sick and the other person is not sick, you would never want someone to take advantage of someone else. So, 
Yeah. I think there's great potential there for that intimacy and, and romance. And we saw that in this episode. We saw a great scene where I agree with you. We, I felt that, you felt that, I think a lot of people felt it in a, in a way that's, that's safe and makes sense. And yeah, I, I really love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hope they continue this route. Mm-hmm. And so we were talking about romance. And then another thing that this episode had, had in spades was the humor. Yes. Especially, you know, with Joe and Jackson and Link's drinking game. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. I thought it was it really balanced the, the grief which was happening all around the hospital. And so speaking of a Joe and Jackson, strangely... I kind of like this couple. I kind of dig them. I know they're just fuck buddies. I mean, but, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I love to see them. I love their banter. I think they have chemistry as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know that Sarah Drew, April is coming back. So I really think there is a likely chance that Jepril will have a reunion. And I mean, I like the two of them, but I think that in some way they didn't work for each other. So mm-hmm. I'm really rooting for Joanne Jackson. I think they're perfect for each other in this moment in their life. And and also, you know, the, drink, the, 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 the drinking game, the make it sadder, I think it was the name of the game. I think it was so fun, you know, and uh, when, when Link was expressing why he was so sad uh, and at the same time when Joe was expressing why she was so overwhelmed by all this grief, I, I think that was so funny. And besides, uh, it was like what I loved about this episode, it, it was because the storylines actually moved forward. Yes. For example, if you if we are talking about Link, for example, he had something happening with Amelia. They had their first, no, I mean, it wasn't their first role, but it was a significant role and they resolved it beautifully by the end of the episode. But it was like, you know, Link has been presenting to us for these past few episodes, like this perfect guy taking care of the children. And finally, in this, in this episode, Link reaches his breaking point. And I thought it was interesting to see that, you know, and to see his interaction with Amelia. So... As I said, I, I, I love that Joe, Jackson and Link had this little bubble in which to, to vent mm-hmm. about their, their life and about their pandemic. And yeah, so I liked them. Do you think it was funny? Yeah, I thought it was very funny. Um, I think it brought a lot of humor to the episode. And that's probably what I enjoy most about Joe and Jackson as a couple and uh, Jackson and Link's friendship and Joe and Link's friendship is it brings a lot of humor. Again, something I really loved about this episode is there was a lot of callbacks that were done in very subtle ways. So if you're a longtime fan of the show, you know. Uh, and it was nostalgic to me without being overdone. So I thought the drinking game was a really great callback to um, that scene with Christina and Meredith all those seasons ago, where Meredith turns to her at Joe's bar and goes, let's play a game of whose life sucks more, I'll go first. Oh, I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, of course. Right. You're uh, right. And then you find out, you know, um, that Derek is not only her boss, but he's married. And further to that conversation, I don't remember if it's the same scene or if it's later, but Christina reveals that, you know, she's been uh, sleeping with Burke and, and is pregnant and she wants to having, eventually wants to have a, you know, top of pregnancy. And the whole, and what comes out of that is, you know, you're my person. And that begins that, 
that phrase, that relationship, what that means. And so I really loved, to me, that was kind of a subtle callback. And so I thought it was very funny, very well done. And I'd kind of forgotten that Jackson and, and Link uh, were friends. I'd kind of forgotten that. So this was a nice, I was like, oh yeah, like a nice- Were they friends? I don't remember that. Yeah, so this is, I can't remember if this is season 15 or 16, but they wind up working a bunch of cases together and they become friends and there's a bunch of scenes and I, and Joe was like really weirded out by it because she's like, wait, when did you two become friends? And I remembered that in this episode. So they are friends. They just hadn't kind of shown that in a while. And how funny was it when when Link banked at Joel's store? Yes, he's lying. He's lying. Hi, I'm Jackson Henry. (laughs) That was so funny, right? So funny. And then Jackson pops up from behind the couch shirtless. And it was like, he's like, hey, man, sorry about that. And it was like, he told Joel, like, really? Like, that's how you describe me? like your booty call so yeah, yeah and like also shirtless jackson could we take a moment to appreciate shirtless jackson yeah, yeah i agree with you speaking of funny another mm-hmm. thing that i found funny of this in this episode was you know the passion storyline finally we had a funny and dramatic at the same time of course but it was funny the passion storyline that man worried about getting covid with a heart condition with a heart problem mm-hmm. and him running around naked in the <laughs> hospital because he wanted to escape uh, the OR because he was afraid to catch COVID. I think that was really funny as well. And at the same time, it was really poignant, um, that scene between, you know, Maggie trying to uh, calm him down mm-hmm. and, and telling him that, I mean, he she knew what it meant to lose a dear friend. She knew what it meant to feel a loss, to feel powerless. And at the same time, having that, you know, funny moments in which she, when he told her, um, I'm, I, I'm not wearing a mask. And she told him, well, actually, honey, you're not wearing anything. I, I thought that was funny as well. And yeah, so I, I really liked that moment that the patient storyline and Megan Winston working together. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first time that we see them, the two of them working together, right? Yeah, because... I feel like there was probably supposed to be more of that at the end of last season, but it got cut short because yeah. they established in the conference episode of last season that Winston used to, was was Maggie's student when they were at Tufts. And then right, like right before he, you know, he became an attending, she moved to uh, Seattle from Boston. Um, so I think this is the first time we see them work together. And I love that little moment when they're trying to figure out what's wrong. And when it's like, hey, do you mind if I take a look at, at these uh, look, the scans that he asked to talk to the intercom and he asked the guy if he's, you know, if he got anything stuck in his teeth recently or did any dental work. And that's how they figured out what was wrong with him. And Maggie was like, well, I would have figured it out. And he's like, yeah, of course. Like, I, I like that little moment. Yeah, yeah, they're cute. They're, they're really cute. And something, I'm going to save this because at the end we're going to do our, our favorite quote or scene like we always do. But I was talking to save the actual quote, but Xander Perez, the resident that, that came over from Pac North, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I loved it. I'm going to save it. But so the interaction between naked guy, Maggie Winston and Xander Perez. Oh, that, yeah. that was hilarious. And yes. Oh, it, and it was a great combo. <laughs> it was a great combo. I hope to see more of them. And I'm, yeah, I'm interested to see that dynamic because, you know, like like I just said, we know that before, back in Boston, Winston was Maggie's student, and now she's given him privileges, which would make him, or sorry, her, his boss. And I'm interested to see 
them navigate that dynamic. Yes. Um, and I think there's a lot of potential for humor and and kind of discussions there. And I, I thought the way that Winston handled uh, things in this episode handled it well. He could have been very arrogant or very boastful or rubbed in Maggie's face, but instead he was just kind of like, I know, like you know, I caught it first, but you know, like he 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 kind of he allowed her to save face. Yeah, but because he's a great guy. I mean, at the beginning of the episode, when he decide when he dances with the kids because yes. he thought that Maggie can't in that moment because she's struck by grief. Mm-hmm. I mean, how good was he? he? He's amazing. He's an amazing guy. He's perfect for Maggie. She does. She she really deserves him. Yes, she does. And did you kind of catch? I saw some people talking about this on Twitter that like basically the kids were dancing it out, and it's like the next yes. generation. Yes, I, I thought about that as well. I said, oh my God, we're going to see their storylines in a few years. I'm yes, sure. it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the year 2045. And oh, yeah, of course. They're going to do something with, some with these characters. And speaking of couples, well, I know that you're not a big fan of Levi and Nico, and I'm not either, because mm-hmm. I think that Nico is very toxic for Levi. But at the same time, I thought... This is another relationship that worked in this episode. Yeah. I mean, props to the person who wrote this episode. Because in a way, it was like Nico was acknowledging what's wrong with him. You know, he clearly tells Levi that when he doesn't want to feel, I mean, that when he's stressed, when he's struck by grief, he goes numb. Mm-hmm. So, and, and Levi tells him, oh, this is, you just described in one word, numb, the numbness. What is what was wrong with our relationship? Mm-hmm. So the fact that Liva and then Nico never felt anything because he's afraid to feel. Yeah. So I think there was an interesting dynamic. And at the end of the episode, they hold their hands. So for a first time, for the first time in a long time, I was I'm very curious to see what's next for the two of them. And maybe, maybe I see. I, I mean, I have hope for the two of them. I don't love them together, but the fact that Nico is willing to say what's wrong with him and not in a toxic way, I think that might be the beginning of their, you know, of them repairing their relationship. Yeah, um, I, definitely, I definitely saw the potential there too. I really, as like, I agree with you as much as I haven't really liked them much recently. I really did like their moment on the bench. Um, and to your point, I just looked it up. So the person who wrote this episode was Adrian uh, Wenner. I don't think I'm saying their last name right, but uh, that was the writer. So props to them because uh, this episode was very well written. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I like their moment on the bench. And uh, yeah, I, I, I was glad that Nico could finally acknowledge out loud what was wrong. And that Levi was kind of gr- growing a backbone uh, recently and being like, you know, more assertive and not letting people walk all over him. Finally, finally, it's about time. And, you know, another thing that was really beautifully done, in my opinion, was the memorial for DeLuca. Do you want to talk about it? Yes. Um, I was, and I was surprised by that because I was not... So based on the promo and the description we got for this episode, I was expecting to like the other parts of the episode, but not so much the focus on, you know, the guilt and grief and, you know, kind of saying goodbye to Deluca because, you know, as you and I have talked about, I was never a huge fan of the character, um, particularly over the last couple of seasons. And so I was not expecting to like that part, but I actually loved this episode. And 
Um, and I, I did actually enjoy that part, and I want to talk about why. Um, I thought the memorial was really beautifully done. Um, I thought they found a very interesting and creative way to do it. And that resonated with me because, so my grandfather died last summer. And right. I was not particularly close to my grandfather. Um, you know, like I said, I saw him on a, you know, a few times a year. Um, but, you know, we weren't particularly close, but it was still weird to not be able to get together and mourn him. Yes, of course. Oh, because it was during, so last summer you said, okay. So during yeah. COVID time, of yes, course. Yes, so 2020. I, I know we all say last summer, we, we mean 2019, I know. Yeah, um, yeah. You're right. It's like I forgot that the 2020 summer even existed. Yeah. Yeah, so, I do that too. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, it was still weird not to be able to get together and mourn him. And while he didn't want a funeral, like if he had not died during COVID, we would have, you know, gotten together and probably done like a wake or something, like just kind of a little get together. Yes. And, we could not do that and we will not be able to do that until the pandemic is over um, and we can gather safely. Um, so, you know, we're not actually going to hold the wake, you know, for, I mean, it could be, you know, it, it, at this point, it's going to be at least, you know, a year and a half out from his actual death. It could be two years. Um, and so I was struck by, I thought it was really beautiful that the show and the hospital within the show found a, a creative way to hold a funeral memorial type situation and honor this character. You know, I didn't like the character. I thought that was creative and beautifully done. And, and that resonated with me because in a personal way, you know, I, I can't mourn a member of my family. You know, we don't have that opportunity. And so I thought that was well done. And what I found really interesting, which is, is that I like that throughout this episode, they showed for each of the characters um, that did know DeLuca, whether they were close to him or not. Um, yes. I like that they showed the different ways people process grief and guilt because... Okay. Can I say something else before mm -hmm. we talk about the grief of these characters? Yeah. I want to add something about the DeLuca's memorial. I agree with you. It was very poignant. And yeah, it's... I mean, what, what you have been through, I think it has been happening, sadly, all over the world to many people. And that's... I think that's that's very bad because even though you're not very close to one person, to one relative, you want to say goodbye. You want to have mm -hmm. closure. And this pandemic is taking away this feeling of closure. Uh, but on a lighter note, I want to say that even in his last words that we've seen in the show, the Luca is annoying as well. Because <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out, please. Okay. But when he says, if I match with you, and then he, he says something in Italian. You know, I'm Italian, so I shouldn't be bothered by it. But why did he have to speak Italian during an interview, job interview? I mean, there was no point. That seemed just pointless and a little bit cocky as he was. So that guy, I'm sorry that he's dead. I'm really, really sorry. But he was so full of himself. <laughs> that is what I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. So you were talking about grief. Grief yeah. was another central theme about this episode for lots of characters. So talking about grief, I really like that they showed how grief and guilt affect different people differently. Um, you know, it often gets talked about that there are seven stages of grief and it, it's different for everybody. Um, and I thought they did a beautiful job, again, even though I didn't like the character, of showing how um, that affected different people differently. So, you know, for Teddy and Owen, you see that survivor's guilt, 
you see that frustration that they did everything right and he still died, which is something that in, in the real world, you know, anyone who's in healthcare, especially now, anyone who's a first responder um, in, in essential services, they have to deal with that, that they, you, know, you can do everything right. And somebody throws a clot, they lose too much blood, they just have an aneurysm, their heart stops. You can do everything right and they can still die or, you know, go into a coma and never wake up. And I thought that was, I like that they addressed that. I thought that was really beautifully done. So they showed that. They showed, I think, with Levi and Nico, the different kind of, the, the cycle of emotions you can go through. Um, I like that they showed Helm where she said, you know, I thought horrible things and I said horrible things. Oh, she, yeah, she, Helm, I think Helm had a beautiful, beautiful plot this episode. Yes. That, that back hug with Maggie mm-hmm. was so emotional because we all need human touch right now. She, she had beautiful, beautiful moments in this episode. Yeah, and I, I really thought that was a good thing that they showed. You know, like, we're, we're not meant to live like this. We are not meant to live without human contact. We are not meant to live alone in isolation. And bringing it back to what you said, um, you know, when Hayes uh, turns to, to Richard after, you know, him and Teddy have tried decreasing Meredith's oxygen, not oxygen, um, but her, her, like, her levels. Yes. And it's not... It doesn't work, so they have to put them back up. And he comes out, and Richard says to him, "It didn't, you know, it didn't work." And he goes, "No, it didn't work." And he says to him, "You know, when my wife, after my wife died, uh, my therapist said there's no mm-hmm. wrong way, or there's no right way to feel the loss." And I, I loved his line where he said, "But actually, there is through a computer screen. Like that's not." right you're supposed to feel the loss in person touching other people or at least knowing you could if you wanted to and not being able to do that even if you weren't close to the person even even if you didn't like them um is so hard and I'm getting emotional just talking about it um that's so hard and I I felt for Helm because when she was like I thought horrible things I said horrible things I get it I probably would have done the same thing in her situation because DeLuca was an ass for like two straight seasons and you know it's horrible that he was suffering from an illness but that doesn't make it okay to hurt other people and I get it like in helplessness I probably would have done said the same thing but that doesn't mean that she wanted him dead and so I I really felt her her emotions there yes yes um and I love what Maggie did for her. And yeah, I, I love that. And yeah, I, I just really like that they showed how guilt and grief affects different people differently. I think, um, I think you really said something very interesting when, when you said that the seven, when you talk about the seven stages of grief, because mm-hmm. now that I think about it, for example, Betty's storyline, all this episode, she went through those stages and yeah. she, she went from denial when she wanted the Lucas autopsy because she couldn't accept that he died in that way. And then she went through Bergain when she talked, you know, with Richard and Richard telling her that she couldn't, she couldn't harm other people in this way because she was just giving people more grief talking about the Lucas death, like it was their mistake, like it was something they could have prevented. And then at the end of the episode, she makes a decision to step back from her position, from her chief position, because finally she's taking care of herself. So there is the final stage, which is acceptance 
mm-hmm. and she goes towards him, towards Ben, and she hugs him and she tells him that she needs him. So I think that was beautiful. And I think that you described this grief storyline very well when you talked about those stages, because all these characters went through all, all those moments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and on that, um, Richard as well, you know, we see him question his faith. And I thought that was, you know, what whatever you may believe about Catherine or Richard, I really thought the acting by by him was amazing in that scene. Like when Richard yes. is talking about questioning his faith. Yes. And like I I I I oh God, he sold it, he sold that scene, man. Like he, you know, him struggling to understand this person helped save my life. They die in such an arbitrary way. There's nothing Altman or Hunt could have done differently. Sometimes bad things just happen. And I love his description of, you know, as part of his sobriety, right? His, the belief in, you know, it's, um, you know, wisdom and the ability to accept the things I cannot change. Um, You know, this whole description of, you know, the belief that there's some higher power or the universe or some puzzle or some design that, you know, that I am not elevated enough to understand, but there, there's a, a meaning to all of this. And, you know, as part of AA, that is a huge part of so many people out there who, who are in recovery, who have an addiction. That's such a huge part of it. And so to hear him describe that and try to understand, especially when Meredith is, you know, Meredith is currently on event, you know, I, I my heart broke for him. And I, I like that they had Catherine, make, you know, say to him, you know, try to give him something positive you know my cancer hasn't grown it should have but it hasn't it is a puzzle we don't know um yeah. and i it's like that, it's the randomness of it yes and I, I like that he did kind of get a bit of his his faith back in that movement and and i just thought the the acting was was really uh was really beautiful there yeah yeah and again to go back from, to what i said at the beginning of our episode of our recording again every characters shown during this episode every character had its moment you know so it was it was beautifully done and then the episode ends I think with one really powerful scene I think you agree with me Mm -hmm. I mean I know that you don't get Teddy but at the end I was very moved by her she has reached a breaking point Finally, she needed to reach it. She needed to drown before she, you know, before she can breathe again. And, and, and I think it's going to be interesting the next episode, which from the promo we have seen, it's Teddy's attendee-centric episode. So to see her in that state, to see her seeing De Luca, you know, in other people's faces, yeah like oh my god what's happening to you and it's not about the Luca's death of course because I mean she knew the Luca but she wasn't that close to him yeah it's about the chain of you know the fact that his death put in motion Mm -hmm. because it's like this death is the epitome of, of the bad things that have happened to her during all her life. The death of Hellison, all the death and despair that she saw during war, the loss that she felt with Owen. So I think we're going to finally understand who Teddy is at her core. And I'm really intrigued by it. And at the end of the day, seeing Owen taking care of Teddy 
I think, I mean, it made me emotional because I know that you don't like the guy, but I think Owen, even sometimes he's an asshole, but he, I think that he, he always has good intentions. So to see him taking care of Teddy at the end of the episode, I mean, for me, it was powerful. So I'm really interested to see what happens to Teddy. I mean, I, I, I don't love the idea of a centric about a single character, a centric episode about a single character. But I hope, I, I mean, I really think this one is going to be pretty good. Yeah, I agree with you. And I have to say, like, even though I'm not an Owen fan and I've never been a Teddy and Owen fan, like, I'm not trying to hate. I just, I've just never emotionally connected to that storyline. I did, I did like it the a moment at the end there when, you know, he you could see him looking over at her at the memorial. Um, but obviously he couldn't get up, like, in the middle of it and move. And then at the end there, when he came over to her and he realized something was wrong, um, like I had a moment where I was like, wait a minute, like, is she sick? Is she, has she contracted it? Like, what is going on? And then I realized it was more of a, a psychological thing. Um, and I, I did think it was a very nice moment there when he picked her up and, and said, okay, I'll take you home. And to me, it was a bit of a throwback, not in terms of relationship, but just in terms of that scene when he picks her up to when after Denny dies and Izzy won't, won't leave, like she won't leave the bed and Alex picks her up. Oh, yes. And and transports her over to the chair and she's wearing the big prom dress. Um, yeah. I thought there was a nice parallel there. I mean, their relationships are nothing alike, but I did think that kind of that fireman yeah. Um, yeah. kind of brought that back for me. And again, like, while I've never been super into those characters, I thought it was a very nice poignant moment um, where Owen could see that there was something wrong. And again, while, you know, I'll say what Amy said after we were watching this episode. So we watched it together as we always do. And she said, before we started watching, she's like, yeah, I saw the promo for next week. And the description doesn't sound that great, but wait till you see the promo. And then I saw the promo and I was like, oh my gosh, that looks great. Like, yeah. So interesting. You know, the promo, it's like the promo makes seem the episode like a character study, you know? Yeah. And, I love that. And it, lo- it, it, like, it looks like kind of a dreamscape, hallucination type thing. Um, it looks like they're playing around with a lot of stuff. And I will say this, I'm not somebody who's into like psychological thrillers or horror, but I, I, I can tolerate that kind of a thing in terms of like the psychological, like, you know, you round a corner and what's this um, for like a single episode of television. Like I can do it for a single episode. So I am intrigued. And the one thing I liked too was that in part of the promo, um, you see Meredith sit up and she's like, oh, yes. hi, Altman or something. And even though we know it's a dream sequence, just the fact that Meredith's going to be up, maybe not up, but, you know, moving around, talking, interacting, even if it is in someone's hallucination or dream sequence, I find that exciting because she's been on the beach yeah. uh, for a while now. And so I'm, interested, I'm also interested to see who else shows up because uh, at the beginning of this season, there was a lot of speculation about who was going to be showing up. You know, IMDb was being updated and, and people were freaking out. And I'm wondering if a bunch of the stuff they've teased about is going to happen in this episode in some sort of like a dream sequence um, or voiceover type situation. And yeah, I'm just very intrigued. I'm very, I'm very intrigued. Yeah. And um, on that note, on this note, I think it's time to say what our favorite quotes were. Yes. Um, what was mine um okay so it's it's a two-way tie um both to do with the naked man storyline okay 
So I was a tie between the one you already said, which was uh, like, he's like, oh, I'm not wearing my mask. And then Peggy's like, honey, you're not, you're not wearing much of anything. Um, <laughs> it's a tie between that and when Maggie and Winston exit the OR to go after the guy and they're standing in the hallway and she's like, I'll go this way. You check the OR bird. And he goes, I don't know where that is. And then Xander Perez walks up and goes, uh, if one of you lost or like are looking for a naked man, he went that way. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I think it's if you one of you, if you're looking for a naked man, he went that way. And oh my God, I cracked up. Yeah, like, yeah, me too. Me too. Oh, uh, what a zinger. Like, if you're looking for a naked man, he went that way. Um <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's great he's, he's a great he has a great comedic time he's yes. really great he really brings his a game uh-huh yes uh what about you what was your favorite quote well actually mine too i mean it was the one that you just said but i'm gonna say i'm gonna try to find another one okay let me think. okay yes i mean getting back to jackson and joe i i loved i mean it made me crack when she said to jack when she told jackson um, can I say something to meet you? Because we're friends who bang, not friends who judge. I mean, <laughs> that made me smile. Yeah, that was that was funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, alrighty. Um, well, I th I, th I think that's it. Um, did you have anything else you you wanted to say before we go? Oh yes, Jasmine. I want. I mean, I think we wanted to say thank you to all the people who were writing or who wrote to us messages about our podcast giving us feedback on Instagram and thank you thank you so much for sending us your feedback and let us know your thoughts we're very curious to know them no I agree I appreciate everybody on Twitter and Instagram uh thank you so much we really appreciate it uh so keep sending you those messages uh we do read them and uh, we're thinking about maybe reading them out sometime so uh please keep sending them our way yes um alrighty so that's our show uh, if you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review, uh, and tell your friends. Our theme song is inspired by Kevin McCloyd. You can find us on Twitter at DanceOutPod and on Instagram at DanceOutGraysAnatomy. Until next time, I'm Jasmine. And I'm Giuseppe. And this is Dance It Out. A Grey's Anatomy podcast.